0: Several years ago, Rebecca and I did a, uh, a quick tour of New England. Uh, I believe it was our uh, uh, trip wrapped around our 25th uh, wedding anniversary, so it's been that long ago uh, because we've been married forever. So, um, uh, But it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it was just yesterday. I don't know if I pulled that off or not, but we'll see. Um, No, we we went to New England, we had an amazing trip, uh, visited several states we'd never been to before. We spent about half of our time in Maine, Uh, we hiked trails, we climbed mountains, we saw wildlife, Uh, we stayed in Bahaba for a little while, Uh, we ate some lobster, Uh, we did all the things, all the New England things, right? Uh, One of our destinations was Millinocket, Maine, uh, just outside of Baxter State Park. We went there because we'd heard about uh, the great hiking and the pristine beauty of the park. And specifically, there's a mountain there. Maybe you've heard of it, Mount Katahdin. Uh, it's the highest peak in the state of Maine, uh, over 5,000 feet above sea level. And uh, the, that mountain marks the uh, the northern end of the Appalachian Trail. So if you're starting in the north, that's your starting point. If you're finishing, then uh, you keep that mountain in view and know that once you get there, you've uh, you're you're done. So it's uh, it's that that northern part that. Northern northern end of the Appalachian Trail. Uh, It usually draws serious experienced hikers from across the country. Um, We are not serious or all that experienced, but we went anyway because we wanted to be a part of that. Our plan was to hike a three-mile trail to Chimney Pond, which is at the base of, uh, of the mountain. The primary reason that we chose that trail is when we looked at the map and all the things in the park and all the stuff around the the mountain, um, all of these trails were marked strenuous. And this one was marked moderate. And we thought, let's go for moderate. And so that's what we did. The Chimney Pond Trail was a moderate trail, but... It uh, still had uh, a change in elevation of over 1,500 feet from start to finish. We knew it wouldn't be easy, uh, but we'd heard it would be worth it, so we jumped in and, and we drove through um, a, a light off and on uh, rain in the early morning hours of the day uh, uh, to, to get to the, uh, the, the, the trailhead. It was chilly and drippy and foggy, but we were up for the adventure, and so we parked and we grabbed our gear and we checked in at the ranger station because this is one of those places where they want you to sign a book when you head off on the trail because if you don't come back and sign out, they're going to send the choppers in to try to find you because this is, you know, we we had hiked about a mile. I don't have a picture of this, but we, we hiked about a mile. Uh, about an hour well probably wasn't a, a mile anyway and and we fi- then we came to the and we were in the middle of nowhere we finally came to this sign that said you are now entering the uh, main wilderness I think is where I mean this was this was a this was a deal um so anyway, we uh, uh, we it was it was beautiful. I mean, the first half mile or so, we were following this rushing stream that's coming down and over rocks and around trees and under bridges, and and there's just spectacular scenery all around there. And and the further we went along, the 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 steeper and rockier the trail got, and and it, it got increasingly difficult to navigate. And the rain and the fog got heavier too, and and that didn't make anything uh, things any easier. About a mile and a half in, there was this little uh, uh, sign that said there was a scenic outlook area and uh so we were kind of enclosed in all the trees and things but this kind of took us uh off the uh the the main trail just a a, a little jaunt and then uh was was to open up and uh yeah this is this is what we what we saw i wasn't I mean, I don't know. Is that, is that scenic? I don't know. I, I, I see, I see dirt and rocks and some trees and a whole lot of fog. So anyway, okay, fine. Good. We, we're still, we're enjoying ourselves. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's great. It's good. Fog just doesn't make for the greatest pictures in the world so anyway we we continued on but the conditions uh weren't all that great and our abilities uh were i don't know we were we could tell it was becoming obvious that we weren't going to make it all the way to chimney pond and back without them having to call the chopper so uh anyway we uh we decided we were probably going to have to stop and we came upon this this uh spot where there were uh, uh two other basin ponds that um Uh, that that uh, that that came across we thought well that's probably a good place good place to stick around so we we uh, veered from from the path a little bit came up short trail took us to the water's edge and this is what we could see go ahead so that's that's the um, that's one of the basin ponds, and that's you know it's fine it's great it's good Uh, but with all the fog and all the rain and and all the fog and all the rain and uh anyway that's that that was the scenic look that we had So we rested there, we enjoyed that, we turned around, we we went back, we had literally, uh, we, we had been gone six hours from our hotel, from the time we'd left our hotel, we were tired, we were sore, we were wet, we were chilled, we had not made it to Chimney Pond, we hadn't even seen the mountain. I looked up pictures from this basin pond, if it had not been rainy and foggy, this is what we would have seen. That is not what we saw. <laughs> uh, we were, it was all fogged in. And, uh, and, and Anyway, keeping all that in your mind, uh, sociologists have studied mountain climbers on expeditions. Mountain climbers, we are not. An expedition, I believe it was. But uh, uh, they have studied mountain climbers on expeditions, and they've found that there's a distinct correlation between cloud cover and contentment. When when there's no cloud cover and the peak is in view, the climbers are more energetic and cooperative. But when the clouds and the fog cover up the view of the mountaintop, climbers tend to become more irritable and selfish, and they don't push as hard. I don't know, were we irritable? I I think we we did all right, but we did have to turn around. Uh, I mean... Maybe, if this had been our view as we were uh, hiking up that uh, that trail, we may have been inspired to push through and, and, and do that whole trail i don't know I, I think Jesus knew this truth uh, as he was teaching his disciples uh this this prayer to pray uh, that, that, that we have this tendency of uh i don't know I, I guess I guess I'd summarize it this way: we need to look up, we need to be inspired, we need to look up Uh Max Lucado once wrote it this way, as long as our eyes are on his majesty, there's a bounce in our step, but let our eyes focus on the dirt beneath us and we will grumble about every rock and crevice we have to cross. As long as we have God in view, we keep life in perspective and we know where we're heading, but the things of this life have a way of clouding our view of God at times. We get so focused on on what is right around us and what we want that we can lose sight of the big picture. And so Jesus uh, forms this prayer with this in mind. He starts and he ends the Lord's Prayer with our heads up focused on God, who God is and what God does. Uh, not only is the whole first half of the prayer that we walk through all through the month of uh, September, the whole first half is, is completely zoomed in on God and his character, but now the ending, what people call the doxology, uh, brings our attention back to God and his work in the world. The, the, the line is this, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, right out of the box, we need to address uh, whether we're even supposed to, whether we're even allowed to study this, right? Because uh, uh, is is this really part of the prayer that Jesus taught? Uh, it's if, if, if there is two different passages. I've told you this. Two, uh, we've got Matthew, which is the primary text of where we learn the Lord's prayer, and then Luke uh, is uh, is is a little bit shortened down, and this line certainly is not in that in that shortened down uh, version in Luke. And uh, if you have one of the more modern translations of the Bible, like the NIV maybe, that's, that's usually uh, pretty common these days, uh, this part is mo- most likely a footnote, right? It, it's not included in the narrative part. As you're reading along, uh, you, you, get to, uh, you, you get to this and it has a little footnote and you go down to the bottom and it might say something like, some later manuscripts include this. So the doxology, this last line, uh, isn't included in the most ancient manuscripts, but it does appear very early in in, in, in some manuscripts. It, there is evidence to see that this was widely used at the time and taught at the time, and it completely encompasses the character of Jesus and the character of this prayer. Um, as Dr. Morris Weigelt, uh, a, a theologian in the Church of the Nazarene for years, as he wrote The benediction, he's referring to this line, captures the flavor, not only of the prayer, but of our master, who taught us to pray this way. Worshiping people naturally break into grand flurries of praise and adoration. And so it is extremely likely that Jesus did include this type of doxology uh, in the original prayer. Or if he did not in that uh, Sermon on the Mount as he was teaching his disciples, he, he still would have included this type of benediction in his regular prayer life. And, uh, and, and it matches up with the, 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 the whole uh, form and flow of the prayer and the character of Jesus himself. All that being said... I think it's okay to study it today. I think we can, uh, we can learn some stuff and, uh, and, and that it is, it is certainly an inspired part of this prayer. So I want us to just walk through a few of the key words today from this doxology, this benediction. Uh, it, it starts off with the word for, not for like one, two, three, four, but for like Because. Okay, and, and and it seems like a real small word, and why would we draw on that word? It doesn't seem like a main word, but really, that's that's kind of the hinge that this whole prayer turns on. Uh, it, it's it's because it, it what is about to come, what is about to what we're going to look at in just a minute. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This 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 word for this word because uh, it, it's saying we're. Pro- We're proclaiming the reason why we can pray this prayer in the first place. Why is it? Uh, Well, we we pray all this because it's God's kingdom and power and glory forever, forever, ever. Amen. Prayer isn't dependent on us. Answering these requests that we've made during this prayer uh, uh, doesn't fall on human ingenuity. It's not that we are going to, uh, to, to make it all happen ourselves. The focus and our trust is in God. We can pray to our Father in heaven, our holy God. We can request that he do his work in his way in the world and in our life. We can ask for daily sustenance. We can ask for forgiveness. We can ask for deliverance. All the things in this prayer. We can pray in this audacious way because it's God's kingdom and his power and his glory forever. God is the focus and he is our foundation. It's because. It's it's what turns this whole prayer. and And then... The next word is yours or thine, right? Depending on your on your uh, uh, translation. But uh, the, just like if you remember the first week, we looked at the the first word of the whole prayer in Greek is Father, and that emphasized just because of where it sat in the in the sentence, uh, Father. That means that that's the key focus, the primary uh, thing, because it's it's right up front. Uh, here in this section, yours is that word that's right up front, and so again, it's 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 that it's 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 noticing that, that it, this is very important. It's not just anybody's kingdom power and glory; it's God's power and glory. It's that is that is the focus because it's it's a, in a significant place in the sentence. So I guess even the literary sentence structure of this prayer points to God's supremacy and and greatness, and we worship Him uh, even in how it's all laid out for yours is the kingdom this is the only major word uh that that occurs twice in this prayer now there's some these and 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 some other stuff but the major a major theme we saw kingdom earlier right uh thy kingdom come thy will be done right and and now at the end we see again this word kingdom and so it seems like there's probably uh that, that that should probably have some significance right and I think it does. Uh, Scholars believe that that, that the kingdom of God is is really the major theme of this prayer, just as it was the major theme of Jesus' teaching over and over again. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is this. Uh, How do we live in God's kingdom? Thine is the kingdom. A few weeks ago in, uh, in, in that message on thy kingdom come, I referenced uh, Queen Elizabeth's death. She had died just a, 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 week, or, a week or so before that message. And, and, and her, uh, her kingdom lasted quite a long time, right? I mean, not forever. Although uh, those next in line to the throne might have thought that it was going to be forever, right? Probably felt like it. But uh, the, the, Lord's, the Lord's prayer was actually included in her funeral. Maybe you watched the, watched the funeral uh, along with a, a couple, three billion other people around the world, right? Um, and and it's, it's very likely, I don't know if you've thought of this or not, but it, it is very likely, just a few weeks ago, live on uh, international television, it is very likely that more people were praying the Lord's Prayer at the same time in those moments than at any other time in history. Kind of cool to think about that not only at that moment were those folks in that room with all the pageantry and, and all the the, uh, the, the stuff praying, praying that prayer, but literally around the world, most likely in their own languages in other countries, they were praying the same thing. In, in the wake of uh, the end of an era... The passing of a kingdom to the next generation, the world was declaring that God's kingdom was going to last forever. There wasn't going to be an end. Declaring uh, thine is the kingdom is, is truly a statement of worship. God's kingdom is the only kingdom that matters. It's the only kingdom that will last forever. Now, I mean, I know we, we live in, in certain places, in certain areas, with certain, I guess we could call them kingdoms, right? I mean, our country, I guess, could be considered a kingdom. We don't have a king, but, but, but you, 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 get it. There's a certain culture, right? There's a, there's certain laws. There's ways of doing things. We're, we're part of this kingdom, this earthly kingdom, uh, in our country. We could even think about our uh, our, our state. You know, we, Ohio does things maybe a little differently than some other states, and so there's there's certain ways that we fit into uh, that kingdom of. Or maybe your community. Maybe you live in, in one of the cities uh, close by here, or you live in the township. I mean, there's certain things that are that are unique uh, to citizens of those places, and so we could say that, that that's the kingdom that we live in. I, we could even say that your your family is uh is a kingdom there's a certain culture there there's a certain way of doing things you do things uh your way and it might be a little different than than others you know maybe you there are there are the uh inside jokes for, of families maybe there's family stories there's history together uh you have a, your favorite meals you you uh, uh you do things a certain way uh someone who isn't family doesn't quite understand all that right just ask the new wife or husband trying to relate to their in-laws they there there's a there's a, a learning process there to kind of step into that that uh, that that process that i, I we could call it uh, the that that kingdom we're 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 stepping into that way of life and and you appreciate the the kingdom best when you're when you're in it and you're a part of it and it's a part of you i i, I read a uh, uh... A metaphor that German theologian Helmut Tielke used in his sermon on this part of the Lord's Prayer about uh, stained glass windows it reminded me of when Rebecca and I were in uh, uh, in in Belgium last winter uh, uh, with with Ryan and Sophie Nikolai and and we were privileged to tour several cathedrals and there's one of them uh, up there uh, the outside and the inside it's in Dinant in southern Belgium and uh, it's at the base of that cliff and there's a big uh, yeah fortress thing up top and then they've got this Big, big uh, uh, church down there, uh, cathedral, and 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 uh, the stained glass window you see here. Uh, it was huge. You don't really get a, a picture of exactly how big it was there, but uh, uh, it was actually used. You see the different sections there. Uh, di- each one tells a different story in the, the 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 history of Christianity. And they would actually use this window uh, to to instruct people in in the faith, children and and those coming to faith in in uh, in, in Christianity. They would they would learn all about what uh, what god did here and and uh, and and you know there's there's different ones based on the different stories of the bible and and, and so uh, the, the day that we visited you can see the sun was shining brightly and and that, that was great and it made made everything stunning on the inside but you see on the outside i mean that stained glass you can barely even tell there's any stained glass anywhere right but on the inside it's it's beautiful and and this was just one of many places where where that uh, stained glass was was shining brightly. So uh, uh, Helmut Teilica, there's a word, there's a name for you, look him up. But uh, uh, a German theologian, and and he likened uh, the the kingdom of God to stained glass windows in a cathedral. From the outside, they aren't really all that beautiful. But once you step inside the cathedral, the radiance of those pieces of art can be seen and appreciated. And and Thielica said that the kingdom of God is best understood and appreciated from within. He also said that when we begin to see the kingdom of God from the inside, praise is the only appropriate response. Here's one line from that sermon. The kingdom of God is the place where the eternal liturgy is sung, the place of unceasing praise, ceasing praise to God. Thine is the kingdom we appreciate God's kingdom as we step inside and we experience what that's all about. And we worship him because it's his kingdom. Well, there's another uh, key part of this uh, doxology. It's not only that God's, it's God's kingdom, but it's also thine is the power, right? Uh, Jesus and his followers uh, lived their lives in the, in the shadow of the power of Rome, the, the, the signs of Roman rule and authority were prevalent in their daily lives. They could not escape the fact that they were, they were uh, uh, under the power of Rome. Rome ruled with, with the strength of the military and the strength of the government, and it was oppressive. And so there were people who followed Jesus uh, who, who were uh, expecting him to bring his kingdom in as a kingdom of, uh, of, uh, of power that was greater than Rome. And Jesus was going to wipe out their oppressors and, and he was going to take over. But Jesus' power, Jesus' leadership was, was different the tyrannical rule of rome was replaced by servant leadership the the terror inflicted through violence was replaced by love mark ten forty five. Uh, jesus says of himself for the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many at the center of jesus power is a cross God loved us so much that he showed his power, not by wiping, wiping, out, uh, wiping us out, but by redeeming us. The cross and the resurrection demonstrate God's power over sin and death. Colossians uh, chapter 1 beautifully portrays Jesus' position of power uh, and authority. At Beginning in verse 16, it says, For in him, in Jesus, uh, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. It's his power. When we conclude this prayer with this doxology, we are acknowledging God's supremacy and power and authority. It is a power of service, a power of love, a power of grace, a power that restores and redeems. Thine is the power and the glory this is one of those words that we, you know oh yeah, I kind of know what glory means right we, we, we pretty much know what it means, but it may be hard to define if I said, okay, well define it for me, you might have a little bit of trouble. I mean glory has an element of honor to it, right if we if we do something to gain glory, we're looking to uh, uh, to be honored for something. Or we, uh, we, we, we think we're honoring someone, we're, we're giving them glory. Glory can also refer to the beauty of something. Oh, that sunset was glorious. Oh, did you see the sunrise? Oh, it's just glorious, right? So it's, there's beauty involved in, in glory. Glory also seems to mean that it's something Shiny. Right? Uh, brightness is involved in, in glory. The angels appeared to the shepherds at, uh, at Christmas time, right? And the, it says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So there's this shininess involved. So uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, the word for glory in Hebrew meant heaviness or weight. Weight. It was used to emphasize importance. This this uh, this person with, with glory uh, is uh, is important. It, it, great uh, uh, there is a person of honor. There's a splendor involved here, uh, especially the greatness of God, right? And and specifically, glory uh, has referred to God's presence somewhere. At the beginning of the uh, of the Old Testament book of First Samuel. Uh, the, the guy named Eli was the priest in charge He was old, uh, he was fat I'm taking it right out of the Bible, I promise uh, But uh, read your Bible, you'll find out also all kinds of things so uh, old fat Eli was in charge, and he hadn't done all that well in passing on the, the, the baton of the priesthood to his sons. So his sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, were, uh, were, were priests as well, but, but they were uh, selfish and undisciplined and corrupt. And, and it's a long story, and I won't go into the whole thing, but, but, but God punished Eli and his family. And on this certain day, uh, God uh, punished Hophni and Phinehas for their for their sins, uh, and, uh, and he held Eli responsible too because he hadn't brought them up to fear God. And so Eli's sons died in battle on this day. It's the same uh, battle where the Ark of the Covenant, representing the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the enemies of Israel, and when Eli heard all that news, he fell over, and because he was fat, he died. I don't know everything that that means, it's just that's what happened. So all of this was a big deal, and, and we see that by the reaction of one of the boys, Phineas, one of his one of his uh, his wife, uh, Phineas's wife, who who also died that day. It was not a good not a good day. She was pregnant when she heard that her husband, her brother in law, and her father in law had all died, and that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured. She went into premature labor, and, and she delivered a baby. And in her distress, shortly before she died in childbirth, she named the baby. Ichabod. And I think that's a great thing to bring up on the Sunday before Halloween, right? It's just a weird name to us, Ichabod. Uh, it's probably, a, a, you know, it's a Legend of Sleepy Hollow, right? Ichabod Crane and, and uh, uh, that, that whole story. But maybe you know, maybe you don't. But the term Ichabod, the name Ichabod literally means the glory of God has departed. That kid He's already starting off behind the eight ball. Both of his parents died. And his name is, the glory of God has departed. Not the, uh, the best start into, into to kindergarten probably, right? God withdrew his glory. God withdrew his presence from the Hebrew people because of their sin. Ichabod. <laughs> when we're praying the Lord's Prayer, And we end it with this this doxology, uh, yours is the glory. We are expressing our deep desire to not be Ichabod, right? Our deep desire for God's glory to never depart. We want to to pray that his glory would remain and would thrive in our lives and in this world. The, The biggest thing that makes God's glory depart is when we try to take that glory for ourselves. The Lord's prayer reminds us that it's not our glory to have. Yours is the glory. God is the supreme authority. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And then Jesus puts a big exclamation point on it and says, forever. Forever. None of us knows what forever looks like because we've never been there yet god's kingdom and power and authority will always last we sang it today right uh, uh he is forever uh, in a few weeks uh we're gonna be deep in the throes of the advent season i know it's still october but literally you're already buying the stuff at at, uh, at the store anyway I, I i'm sure most years during the advent season at some point i will uh take time to listen to uh at least part of Handel's messiah and probably the most famous part of that is the Hallelujah Chorus, right? Uh, you've, you've probably, if you haven't heard any of the, the rest of it, you've probably heard the Hallelujah Chorus somewhere. Maybe you know, maybe you don't, but the, uh, the Handel's Messiah was all taken from Scripture, including the, uh, the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, several verses in the book of Revelation uh, were, were taken to craft that, that, uh, that part, that song in, uh, in Handel's Messiah, that, that great work of art. Uh, and those verses in that song mirror, you're going to see, they mirror this doxology in the Lord's Prayer. There's uh, so many things that, 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 that cross over. Revelation uh, 19, verses 6 and 7, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Chapter 11, verse 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Uh, Verse 19, chapter 19, verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh he has written the name King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thought you'd stand up. I mean, that's what they always do. I guess when somebody sings it well, uh, people stand up. So I I, I understand. I'll give you that. More More than anything... The doxology, this last line of the Lord's Prayer, acknowledges God at the place of supreme authority in the universe forever. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing proclamation of worship and praise. There is confidence that we can have in life when we build our lives on a kingdom, on a power, on, on glory that will never end, right? Everything else is passing away. We can build our lives on... Uh, just, just name it. We can build our lives on anything. We put our foundation in, in, our, in our work. You put our foundation in our net worth. We put our foundation in our relationships, in our families. Uh, all of these things are passing away. God's kingdom and his power and his glory will never pass away. Ever. Forever and ever. <laughs> I guess another song comes to mind. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand right yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever dallas willard uh who has since passed on but written so many great things uh he he paraphrased the lord's prayer in his classic book the divine conspiracy and and maybe that paraphrase will help us uh or maybe it'd just be a great way to kind of wrap up this whole study that we've been in the last couple of months um This is how Dallas Willard paraphrases this prayer. Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad, because you are the one in charge, and you have all the power, and the glory too is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. Willard goes on to write these words, just the way we want it is not a bad paraphrase for amen. What is needed at the end of this great prayer is a ringing affirmation of the goodness of God and God's world if your nerves can take it you might occasionally try whoopee i imagine god himself will not mind let's pray together our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread